You are listening to Pada Bing, a podcast that breaks down every episode of The Sopranos one at a time. Today we're talking about episode five of season three, Another Toothpick, originally aired March 25th, 2001, written by Terrence Winter, and it was directed by Jack Bender, who went on to Lost. Shout out to Lost. Shout out to Lost. HBO synopsis. Bobby Bacala Bacalieri Sr., Bert Young, comes out of retirement to deal with a young hothead named Mustang Sally, much to the chagrin of his son and Uncle Junior. Let's jump right in. The close-up on Tony, for starters, inside Melfi's office, we're set up to believe he's uncomfortable looking directly at her because of the knee, right? Then the camera orbits to reveal Carmela, a camera tactic we've never seen inside the environs of Dr. Melfi's office. That's Remember, true. an autopsy reminds us it is a rule, a production rule, that everything is cut, still, camera. And credit to Jack Bender, the director, for shattering that glass ceiling and using it beautifully. Yeah. I don't say so myself. Yeah. Tony... This is almost, when we see Carmela, his face kind of shifts. It's almost a double asphyxiation for Tony. Not only Melfi's new kneecap, but the fact that Carmela is now in what it's probably safe to call at this point, Tony's sacred place. Observation, Melfi's long look at Tony after she says her leg is fine to Carmela. I saw that as a little bit of her almost wanting to tell him again what happened last episode. You could tell that she wanted to. It was, was a moment, something right? there, yeah. She looked at him again. We had recognition last week, and I'm just letting you know that we still have that same recognition. I, at that point, you missed it last week when we were talking about this, but Naya and I both wanted her to fucking tell him. Yeah. Gosh, I still, I know. you know, it was the right thing to do and blah, 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 blah. But she could have told him uh, and everything would have been fine. You're so Italian right now, flailing your hands. I love this. Oh, my God. That was amazing. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. The kneecap. I know. It was a beautiful knee, okay? And it should have never happened. <laughs> The line. Do you think that there's anything in the present family dynamic that could serve as a trigger? Something in your dialoguing, perhaps? Insinuating that it's Carmela's fault. Is Melfi positioning Carm as a scapegoat, or is what she doing benign in the grand scheme of things? And is Carmela just projecting? This is a Justin question. I know, I have a Justin question, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely projecting. I don't think, at this point, her first session that Melfi's going to come at Carmela like... She's doing something wrong. I, I think that's Carmela's interpretation based on all the knowledge that we have from their encounters and her Tony withholding that Melfi is a woman. Yeah. The history of all that. It's such an interesting tension because usually, like, couples therapy go to their own therapist. You don't usually go to your primary therapist, is what I'm Conflict of I'm interest. Used to. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. There was some heat that the show got apparently from the professional mental health community saying that Dr. Melfi didn't handle that yeah. appropriately. But uh, I think it was benign. I don't think she was trying to stoke any fires. No, she and she even said we should get your wife involved in this because, yeah. you know, emotionally it's having some bleed over. She's probably not emotionally ready to go back to work and she's been on the sauce. She's yeah. not exactly A plus therapist material. Carmela owned that scene, by the way. Oh, my God. Oh, the yeah. triangle, the three of them. Her outfit. Her just outfit, everything. the lines, the delivery, the root causes, her enunciation of the word root. Yeah. Maybe you pass out because you're guilty over something. Uh, Maybe the fact that you stick your dick into anything with a pulse. You ever thought of exploring that as a root cause? Very nice. That's very nice. Mm-hmm. Perfect stuff. Thoughts on the scene overall. 
when you first saw it for the first time, like the whole use of pan, a little bit of a shocker, right? I said, oh shit. Yeah. yeah. It was such a sacred area because it was these two characters for the 30 episodes previously. And uh, it's usually the dinner table for the entertainment mm-hmm. or the let's mix characters together and see what happens. And Totally. This was uh, fire and gasoline for sure. And I tried to think about, you know, in the episode before he mentions it. And I was like, in my head, no way is he going to follow through on having her come mm-hmm. into into this therapist's office situation. And the fact that he follows through on actually bringing Carmela to me is so crazy. Like, why? He must really, you know, is it a move or is he really genuinely trying to involve her? Like, genuinely. I can't. I still don't know. I have a theory on their on the status of their relationship, and we'll talk. I'm gonna say yeah, it like, until the end. Yeah, I'm curious. I feel like, uh, like why did he bring her in? Yeah, like, really. No, I feel like he's he's trying, but there's a lot of other things that are broken. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about it. One of the special out of body experience moments for me in the show was Tony's delivery of the line. You're both very angry. Yeah, you must have been at the top of your fucking class. That is so fucking good. It's my top five <laughs> top five lines in the whole show. Have you memed that? No. That is so fucking good. It is untouched. Because Carmela says something, and he says something, like, you know, fuck this, turns away, and then Melfi says, you're both very upset. And it's just like, wow. Like, and then you see Carmela's face. Edie Falco laughs, and I guarantee you they did that over three takes, because that was probably a really, that was a scene that David Chase and the team probably really wanted to get right, Yeah, because it was the first time that we're getting the three of them in a room together. So imagine how many takes they must have done, and the one they left with, the one they ran with, is Edie Falco clearly losing her shit, like SNL style. Well, it was like, that laugh reminded me of the Janice trying to justify her and Richie's thing. Mm-hmm. And it's very natural. Absolutely. Yeah. Natural. And they probably saw it in the in the daily and they were like, you know what? Let's just fucking run with that, that shit. Take, yeah. Let her have her let her have that little laugh. It's not on script, but it was a thing of perfection. Next up, the cop encounter. Leon. Uh, the cop Leon played Leon. by Charles S. Dutton. Um, his story is fascinating. And his story is actually mentioned in a footnote in Sopranos Sessions. Uh, he was in prison for manslaughter. What? He got into a fight with somebody. The guy ended up dying as a result of the fight. So he went to jail. But then he went on to Yale Graduate School and became a star. Top of his fucking class. Top of his fucking (laughs) class. Oh, my God. That's an amazing story. He had to go into solitary confinement for six days, and he grabbed a book off the shelf to let you go into solitary confinement with one book. And he happened to grab a book that was basically an anthology of playwrights. And he came out of solitary confinement saying, I want to study acting. Oh my god! It's amazing, that, right? That Where did you, why did you go in this weird dive with him? Because Just, that's how Potabing rolls. Yep, fair okay. enough. Fair enough. That explains his like hundred yard stare, thousand yeah. yard stare that you talk about. You're like, whoa! It's a method actor, right there. Mm-hmm. Getting back on track, the cop encounter. First off, Tony's driving Carmela's car again, which is a season three theme at this point. Last time we saw him doing that was outside of Livia's house when she passed away. Just an observation I wanted to throw out there: the location of that. What did he call it? Speed trap. The location mm. of that speed trap is near the intersection of Route 46 and Riverview Drive. The line, is this the high point of your career? It was hurtful. That was rude, yeah. Why does Tony not just take the ticket and move on with his day? Why does he antagonize the cops so much? Any thoughts on that? He just had his first couple's counseling. Like, it's not a fun drive home. Like, and he needs this now. But he can like, afford it, you know? He just doesn't want to be bothered right now. He just, he can't. 
Why not? People of power tend to be for the principle. Just because I can fuck with you, I will fuck with you? Yeah. Is this like the definition of like fuck you money? I think it's the definition of I can get away with so much, so why can't I get away with a speeding ticket? Shout out to Justin who reminded me that what's the point of having fuck you money if you can't say fuck you is from Bobby Axelrod in Billions. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I just felt like take that shit and move on with your day. But it wouldn't have given us the storyline that we're yes. going to get in this episode. Moving along, Frank Spatafore gets clubbed to death. Awful. The comment I have here is, I thought the gritty ordinary street corner was framed beautifully. For those interested, it's the corner of Halsey and West Park Street in Newark. Very much doubt it still looks that way. But again, if anybody can take a picture of that exact intersection and send it to us, that would be amazing. I would like to see it. I don't need to see it. You don't need Vic, to see it? Vic wants to see it. It was framed beautifully. It man. was Come framed on. beautifully. Later in the hospital, Ralphie gets a wave from Tony, but everyone else gets a hug. Is that foreshadowing anything or is it just strictly coincidental John lover of Ralphie? Well, I was really upset that Ralphie didn't get a hug because he really hasn't done anything wrong yet. But uh, I don't know. I mean, but the uh, the first encounter that we meet Ralphie, Tony already has this sort of Bad taste distance. in his mouth. Yeah, so. he just saw him talking to Johnny Sack, you know. He's, and if he he's hangs a little out with suspicious. Yeah, there is that too. Yeah, he thinks Ralphie's coming up fast. He's giving Gigi a hard time being captain. He's a pain in the ass. He's going to keep his distance to make sure he knows he's the boss. And Gigi's in his ear a lot about how much Ralphie pain sucks. in the ass yeah. he is. Yeah. The veto line, guys, a little problematic for me. I'm going to posit the question. Um, bleed from his ass is what he says he wants to make happen to Mustang Sally. Is that a little too on the nose for you, Naya? No, I think Vito. If you look back, he overcompensates and says a lot of things about women and things that, like, would try to overdo him he not, not being— You know where I'm going with it, right? Yeah, but meaning yeah, he absolutely. would say this, and it comes off weird because he's— Like, yeah. it's, it, he's over— Oh! oh sorry. Well, spoiler alert! <laughs> sorry. You have to cut it out. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. So, yes, I think he's overcompensating. He's overcompensating. And that's why it's a little awkward. And we're like, whoa. Okay. The line— Oh, two minutes he's in charge. He's fucking Lee Iacocca. Great stuff. This line made me like Ralphie a little for his expansiveness, not only in fashion, but in business acumen, at least the ability to name drop. Iacocca, of course, led Chrysler Corporation for many years and is credited with inventing the minivan, depending on who you ask. Speaking of cars, Mustang Sally. Oh, Mustang Sally. Nice little segue. Mustang Sally's the guy that used the golf club. The actor, Brian... Tarantina can be seen most recently in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which I've been recommending to everybody. It's so good. Have you jumped on it? I love it. It's amazing. It's a good show. It's super funny. By the way, I saw Aziz Ansari in... uh, I saw you posted something. How was he? It was hilarious. Really? so good. It was really good. It's good to see him coming out of the woodworks. Back on uh, Brian Tarantina, uh, I found it interesting because I did the deep dive today on a lot of the actors. Both him and Burt Young both played in another movie called Rob the Mob. Ooh. Mm. Trivia. When do they call him the Terminator in this episode? It's not this episode, It's I not thought. this episode. Boom! Yeah, it's I, later yeah. on. Okay, yeah. right. So he's the Terminator's godson. He got his name, by the way, on account that he drives a Mustang, which we see, and his first name being Salvatore. I have a question about Burt Young in a second. I'm going to jump to Adriana real quick, though. Uh, how'd you feel about that dress? I love her clothes. Even that Because I want to be that. I want to be able to wear those outfits and Tie-dye? just not— okay. 
Why did Adriana wait so long to tell Artie? Why was she nervous about it? I would be. I just really? Like, yeah, it's weird to give. She doesn't. It's even, a hostess job, though. But it's all family. She knows he kind of has a crush on her. Does he, she though? That kind of came out of nowhere. Did you know? Did she you know? Used it. She, I think women in general will allow a certain level of flirtation. Agreed. Go on to their advantage, and yeah, I, I think she, she's got to know. Cool uh, music connection on that scene. Yeah. Uh, the song is The Genius After Hours by Ray Charles. It was very apropos because he's saying goodbye to his last customer. It's closing time, and now it's The Genius After Hours where he's going to try to seduce her with a bottle of wine. Another piece of trivia. Who's saying closing time? Closing time. Uh, it wasn't Duncan Sheik. No. I know Duncan Sheik, personally. Um, I was barely breathing when I found out the news. <laughs> um, Semisonic sings Closing Time. Semisonic, that's right. That's a hit, too. That's Shout a hit out song. to Semisonic. You can listen to that song today in 2019. Great music and, video. And have, it's like biting into a Madeline. I know who I... Bobby is sad about his dad doing the hit on Mustang Sally. First off, a godfather taking out his godson... How does that sit with y'all? You took my notes. Did I? Yeah, because I thought the same thing. It was just way too so how does How does that sit with you? Uh, well, it's Tony being very smart and understanding the closest way to get to a guy who's concerned about being whacked is to send the person that he probably trusts the most. That makes sense. But why is Burt Young so like, c'est la vie about it? Isn't is Godfather it? a sacred thing? Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but this kid sucks. Like, okay, okay, okay. He's kind yeah, of a bad egg. There's always exceptions. He's a bad egg, you know. And and he he's so old school that he wants to do the right thing. He knows, you know. So Michael Corleone would do the same thing. Totally. And Don if he had Corleone to, would if do the he same had thing? to, they do the job. Wow, they're soldiers. And he's not a godfather. He's this guy's godfather. That's a very nice caveat. Great line, Uncle Junior, always to the rescue. Uncle Junior had a couple of ripe ones this episode. <laughs> Bobby says, my father's been retired, to which Junior responds. What's this? We're in the Navy? It's so simple, so subtle, but it almost makes you just want to pause and applause and then get back to your... There was gloomy Gus in there. Yeah. All this goddamn morbidity. All this morbidity. Yeah. Um, Duncan Sheik records and shove him up his ass. That's a Christopher line. We just mentioned Duncan Sheik, of course. We've referenced Barely Breathing on the pod before. Bonus points if you remember which episode. I couldn't. I'll mention it again because it's just that good of a song. And you know Duncan Sheik personally. I do. We worked together a few times. He's a great singer-songwriter, but he now is in the theater world. He is known for the Tony Award-winning Spring Awakening. Oh. That musical. He won, right? Yeah. Or he was nominated. Yeah, he won. They won. Amazing, amazing. Since we're on this, like, world of, like, 90s singer, like, how do you feel about John Mayer? I love John Mayer. I hate to love John Mayer. Your Body's a Wonderland? He's an incredible fucking I said it. Great song. If you read that line on a piece of paper, okay, no music, no talent behind it, Your Body is a Wonderland, you think, what the fuck is this? Look what he did with that one turn of phrase. Um, Did Teddy Roosevelt give a speech with a bullet in his chest? Research department? I fall. No. Your research department backed you the fuck up. Okay, good, good, good. Okay. He, in fact, did, in October of 1912, in Milwaukee, he was shot. And his speech was in his jacket. Several pages absorbed most of the bullet, basically. So he survived because of the speech that he gave. That reminds me of a Sopranos episode. Oh, that's right. He was shot. He took out his speech. Bullet holes were in it. 
and he proceeded in fashion and then went to the hospital afterwards. Badass. Gangster. That is like something that I've never seen. That, that's even bigger than Kobe Bryant tearing his Achilles, hitting his two free throws, walking off the court. <sighs> the rest is history. I missed you guys so much. We um, missed you too. Why did Junior lie to Bobby about talking to Tony about Bacala Sr.? Why do they do this shit? If he lets Bobby know that Tony didn't back down from his request, it shows weakness on Junior's part. Yes. And I have to segue because of the get him some water in this scene. We need to pay attention to water from the rest of this podcast because there is so many little water Mm -hmm. references. Are you segueing for me? Yeah. Sweetheart. as fuck today. Gigi. Sweetheart, more water, please. What was the point of that line? Was there a point? Was there a reference? It felt non sequitur to me. That's why I'm asking. So if we tie in the future references that I'll mention as we come along, you'll see. Okay. Johnny Sack mentions old man Bacala's comeback. We learn that Gigi gave the order. The show never shows that. It's just assumed. Tony's in the hospital. He says, you got this. Gigi says with extreme fucking prejudice that could have been a symbolism or code for I'm going to go get the Godfather to do it. It would actually make Gigi look really smart if he thought that it's his Godfather that should be the one that does it. Tony took the credit, of course. He gave the okay. But just putting that out there, Johnny Sack mentions it. Polly immediately says, I'm not the one that told anybody because <laughs> Polly's always looking out for Polly, yeah. right? Tony okayed it. End of fucking story. I feel like I've heard Tony say end a fucking story more than one time. It's yes. safe to say that. Every yeah. time he says it, though, there's a sort of like a je ne sais quoi to that. It's like the period of periods. <laughs> and not to ruin the future episodes, but it's nice to see Johnny and Tony getting along right now. Mm-hmm. And he even backed off very quickly and apologized for even stirring the pot about oh, the subject. But come on, man. He's doing... That's, that's, you that's, think that was by Sack That's design? Johnny Sack politicking, yeah. man. He's sticking Johnny his beak Snack, in. Johnny Snack. Johnny is totally angling, man. Mm-hmm. Ever since back he's when we talked in. about... Yeah, I'm not going to stick my beak in. He's been sticking his beak in ever since. New York, New York, New York. The Fountains of Wayne exterior shot. By the way, is that where the band name comes from? It has to be, right? I I know. I would try to... I don't know. I think it is. It's, it's got to be. It yeah. is. It is. Okay. Sadly, that establishment no longer exists. Went out of business shortly after the show. Wrapped. And neither does the band. Stacy's Mom was the song. The video wow. with Rachel Hunter. So hot. Did you know that the store was referenced last season when Corrado learned that uh, Bobby uh, was seeing buying a statue there? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And mind you, it's a water fountain store. Okay, I like it. So goodbye, Fountains of Wayne, and goodbye, Fountains of Wayne. Goodbye. Rachel Hunter notwithstanding. Tony feels guilty about Leon when he learns about his ineligibility for overtime. Tony talks to the assemblyman about cutting him some slack. Assemblyman says this guy's all wound up. The reason I bring this up is because I find his back and forth interesting. And I'm not quite sure what to say about it other than him waffling on moral choices is a theme right? He's always conflicted, at least compared to the stereotype of a mob boss or a mobster. He's always conflicted about something. And I think it's reflective of his grounding in his family, children, and dare I say it, conscience. Yeah. Just putting that on the table. Tony has a heart? I think he just needed someone to blame in that situation. 
okay. in the car, and now he's realizing after he's processing it that maybe he was using him as a scapegoat or something. Mustang Sally's watching Sally Jesse Raphael before Old Man Bacala comes in. Sally's been referenced before in previous episodes, I believe by Junior. Um, the house was scripted to be on Staten Island, but the actual address is 210 Cedar Street, Garfield. Technical observation. The choice to show hands testing the water. Old Man Bacala wants a glass of water. Let it run. Mm-hmm. Okay. The camera view up from the sink, though. I love that. Tension. Oh. It's like Hitchcock. Yeah, it's really It's Hitchcock. Hitchcockian. It's so Hitchcock. You know? Because then people are out of the scene. You can't. You don't know you where don't anyone know. is. We know what's going to happen, but we don't know where they are. You're boxed in. Yeah, and then like, there's this other person there. Yeah. Who is how this clo- man? How close is Old Man Bacala? Old Man Bacala responds to him, and he can't he hear that Old Man Bacala is clearly closer than he was back at the table? I don't know. I can't I know. see because I'm looking up from a fucking yeah. sink. It was great deception in this episode. Great deception. Yeah. Great deception. The messy kill, of course. Blood splatter patterns, which we're prone to analyze. You get some on the ceiling. It drips down. Then you have a blood splatter pattern on the table. Uh, Psychoanalysis, John, did you see anything in these blood splatter patterns? Did you see any pelicans? My Rorschach test on the blood splatter. Come on, Dexter. Let's hear it, Dexter. No, I just thought it was one of the most visceral and realistic portrayals of a murder because yeah. it's it's not brain easy. chunks falling yeah, off the yeah. ceiling yeah it was just uh it seemed like it would work out and it went wrong and he had to improvise and it was just so gratuitous but awesome it awesome. was just hard because it was so challenging like, come on old man i know come on old I man know. come on it was hard yeah. get up you son of a bitch from rocky it's gotta be like uh like an angel on your shoulder see and <laughs> if you ever get hurt and you feel that you're going down, this little angel is going to whisper in your ear. He's going to say, Get up, you son of a bitch! Because Mickey loves you. Okay? Thanks, Mick. All right. I love you too. Go after him, kid. Uh, <laughs> goes for the cigarette right after he waxes two guys, right? And he even tells the guy... A cigarette's going to kill you, and ultimately it's him that's going to kill that guy. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, double entendres and setups and everything. Um, Of course, my always, like, suburban grown-up in the shelter-of-life qualm is a lot of bullet sounds, but no neighbors? I know. Nobody knocking on doors, nobody checking in. I hear bullets, I'm hiding. I'm not knocking on the door to see, tell the neighbors, hey, keep it down. You're not going outside? (laughs) No. That's fair. Okay. So speaking of the final <laughs> shot, I just segues are firing today. Okay. He's back. Peep the time on the clock behind him. 2.50. No. It wasn't three. It was three. No. 2.50. It's 10 minutes to three, though. So maybe the death that we were waiting for is actually... 10 minutes to three. Close enough. The one oh, in the car. maybe his death happened mm-hmm. at three. Yeah. Yes. Fist bump. That's money. That's money. Um, the song in the car during the getaway is Sister Golden Hair by America. I love America. I love me some Ventura Highway. So good. Instant classic. The line, just can't live without you, is playing right as he's taking a long drag of the very thing that's killing him. Your ad here, sign falls. Any meaning or messaging to that? I wonder what David Chase's relationship to driving is or just being in cars and having bad or good things happen. There's a lot of things that happen while people are driving, especially in this episode. And I'm trying to find like what the symbolic meaning of like traveling to point A to point B, but like, you know, there's dreams of crashing in cars, Tony and Carmela in the car. And I guess that's where a lot of shit happens. I listen to music in the car. I get in fights let's, on the phone, you know, like there's got to be something that connects driving. Let's psychoanalyze yeah. it. Yeah. 
most of these things are a result of something in your childhood. Mm-hmm. Some of my best memories in life were in the car as a child. Yeah. My mom would play music. If my parents were fighting, I would put music on. Yeah. And, I can relate to that. And, and, yeah. and road tripping, road tripping up and down to and from college, yeah. Northern California to Southern California was one of my favorite things to do. I would imagine maybe those are some of the same things he had. Totally. Even like the flashback, there's a very, there's so much car symbolism. Yeah. And then I think of like all famous cinema, like Taxi Driver, like cars are just a very big you staple in cinema. Root causes, Naya. Yeah. Root causes. Yeah. You went from Sacramento down to Southern California. To San Diego. Yeah. And I did the opposite. Yeah. Like that, uh, that seven to eight hour drive, that's yeah. a real experience. That's a car, that, that's where I, yeah. that's where I found my love of road tripping. Yeah. That's cool. You know, you knew exactly where you were on that road trip because of the doing it enough times. Doing it enough times and knowing I would have a playlist back then. That was in, back in the how CDs. much music it would take. To get I would there. have a CD jacket, a book of of CDs, and That's I would so go crazy. in order. Wow. And I would know that if I was like on CD seven, that I was like three quarters of the way there. Yeah. That's you so know? crazy. And I'm sure that that's, he had some profound experiences in cars. Totally. I can go back and I can think of good things, bad things, awful things, in between things, all happening in a car. That could be a whole podcast. Totally. Yeah. Great bringing that up. Yeah. I love it. By the way, the site of the crash where uh, Old Man Bacala meets his demise was on South River Street in Hackensack at the intersection of Shafter Place. If anybody can drive by that and take a picture, <laughs> I would love to see it. And I would love to know if the sign is still there or if a variation of it is. No inhaler. Have you guys ever used inhalers? I have an inhaler. You have an inhaler mm-hmm. now? Mm-hmm. What is it for? It's because I had pneumonia and now I have a little like kind of very similar to his. The whole idea of it is to get medicine into your lungs, right? That's the whole point of it? Yes. Thoughts on old man Bacala's death? Comedy, tragedy, both? I don't think it was a comedy. Uh, It was pretty funny. (laughs) Really? In a more of a way, yeah. I mean, what a way to go. I mean, a guy that, uh, I think he went out doing what he loved. And the reason that he took this job was because he... He's a a toothpick anyway. Yeah, a guy like that that was the Terminator... The guy killed people for a living, so there's an adrenaline rush with that. And the guy retired, and now he's back. And to go out successfully killing somebody, I think he probably died a happy death. And the reference another toothpick is because he was already on his way out anyway, right? Right, okay. right. Um, Artie and Charm are done. Thoughts on that sequence kind of felt out of left field to me. I mean, Artie reminds me of my father right now having a bit of a midlife crisis. Where okay. he's like the whole relationship with Adriana, I feel like I never really noticed it before. It's totally it came out, out of nowhere. So it's kind yeah. of, I feel like he's just projecting. He obviously isn't happy with Charmaine, but I don't know. I feel like Adriana is something that he just assumes is, you know. He's infatuated with her, though. He's yeah. not in love with her. I mean, but he on. does this again. Event, like, we'll see these tendencies yeah. of. We'll see this tendency again. You know, so it's um, common. I've, I've given you guys a fold of my past, and I, I've got the. Scarlet D in my experience and props to Charmaine because uh, you don't threaten divorce and she was, it's a low blow. It's its a controlling thing to do in a relationship, whether it's, you know, threatening to break up or threatening a divorce. So I, I thought it was, I was proud of her for immediately sort of dismissing that and saying, we're done. Uh, but before she says anything, before Artie comes to her, Charmaine drinks a big glass of water before she speaks to Artie. Arthur! You did a pretty, that's pretty good. I've been practicing. Say it again. Arthur. The thing to say about Charmaine, love Charmaine. She's the moral compass of the show from beginning to end. 
She never wavers. It's interesting, though, this Charm and Artie thing and Adriana. It was, and even the whole alteration with Christopher. Like, Artie, man, he's really crossed so many lines. Art, a, like, so many a, fucking lines. He's a crazy lines. fuck. Yeah. yeah. And again, we talked about this. Tony lets him get away with a lot of shit. It's like a little brother. He's this the is, only one that could do all these but things. This is, but it's border, this was borderline unacceptable, what he did to Christopher. And then, oh taking her, God, yeah. and then taking her out to dinner afterwards. But yeah. pointing a gun at Tony isn't? Yeah, yeah. But that was, that's, that's between them, though. But he sure. said he loves her, like, and I believed him, and I was like, whoa, man, get drunk, it together. Yeah. He's just drunk. He's drunk. Yeah. He got an earring. Like you, the, way, the way Tony laughed was fucking priceless. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> like, like, go clean yourself do up. Do you think Artie's going into business with Tony just to impress Adriana? Of course. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's my Netflix uh, series. Junior has cancer. The Big Casino. Have you ever heard that before? No. The mm. show? Okay. It explains why Junior's been acting weird. Uh, we learn it's stomach cancer. Tony's concerned, as usual, back to this switch flip of humanity that he has, right? Uh, these things come in threes, Naya. Thank you. Junior says the line... I'm serious, Anthony, what I said. Promise me that you'll dummy up about this. <sighs> yeah, all right. You're sick, people look at you different. They treat you like a fucking non-entity. I'm not kidding. You can't talk about this with anybody. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. I really like that line for some reason in the context of their conversation. It's just a great turn of phrase. Shout out to Terrence Winter. Tony says he won't talk, but it's the first thing he does. Any reaction to that? Any, it's just human nature? Michael Jackson, cue Michael Jackson, oh, or is so something good. else? Consider telling my immediate family, not telling anyone. Like, exactly, you know that's I mean? my like, point. Yeah. yeah. Why did he tell Janice, though? Because he can confide in her, and it's kind of like a family thing. Like, if he told... It's a family affair. Yeah. Why not Carmella? Different relationship? She doesn't like Junior, She doesn't like so. Junior. I'm sure he told Carmella in a different off-scene, off-scene thing. Off-camera. Yeah. Uh, back on three, though, when uh, Junior says things come in threes, he's wearing a shirt with three buttons. Jan mentions three. Then she mentions Salbon Pincero. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. But if we're trading, like, stories and secrets that we have, maybe that's where she's like, you know what? What happened to Sal? Tony drowns his drink. He doesn't answer the question. Would you like to Shout out to Autopsy that points out the parallel between when Christopher comes out of the hospital, or is in the hospital, and Carmela says, would you like, I've been praying for you, and then he hits the morphine button. Yeah. Yeah. Cut to Meadow in the basement singing... Go on, go on, yeah, leave me breathless, tell me. Yep. Breathless by the Irish band. Wonder if that's ironic or not. It's an Irish band. The Coors. It's a song about seduction and taking things to the next step, which makes me think, it makes me wonder if that's what she's hoping for with Noah. Of course. Well, it's the, the only scene in between that and uh, the Terminator dying yeah. from a loss of breath. Right is Tony and Janice talking about him dying. Oh, nice. That's a nice catch, too. Yeah. So it could be multiple layers mm. to that song, the choice of the use of that sync. It was nominated. The song was nominated for a Grammy, oh, God. but lost to Steely Dan. Thank God. In their song, Cousin Dupree. Another nice Sopranos tie-in, of course. Uh, Tony's dressed to the nines. Suspenders is kind of my so definition good. of nines, but he looks like, he looks good. Uh, funeral attire straight out of GQ, right? <laughs> yeah. Johnny Sack would be proud. The lamp got moved to the kitchen. 
Meadows are about to take it. Beautiful way to eloquently just like foil the whole fucking FBI's thing without even a piece of dialogue. I right? really liked that. I thought it was so well done. So well done. Just make them look stupid. Make them look stupid. Drinking Dunkin' Donuts. Do you think that was a lowball joke about cops? Dunkin' Donuts is classic. Starbucks level. You're either Starbucks or Dunkin's. I'm yeah. Dunkin's. Tonight's episode East Coast. is sponsored yeah, by... Yeah, East Coast. Tony says stay with your own people, but I feel like that's going to have some repercussions going forward. It's sort of a loaded thing. He doesn't stay with his own people in many... In many ways, it's a very hypocritical statement is kind of the point I'm trying to make. Artie takes Adriana out for dinner. What the fuck? We already talked about this that. This scene just makes me so embarrassed. First off, what restaurant did he take her to? What restaurant does Artie fucking Buco go to? So I was thinking French or American Steakhouse. I felt French, the earring. It was just all like, dude, like this is your death wish, man. He's taking a maid guy's girl out for dinner. Why does she go? That's the thing. She's like, oh, Christopher doesn't even know. This is the nitpick of nitpicks for me. But maybe it is. The answer is that Artie's just like, I'm untouchable because of Tony Soprano. And that's a lot of, lot of balls. A lot of balls. If I could find the soundbite for that, I'm going to put it in there. <laughs> a lot of fucking balls. Tony, Johnny Sack, and the assemblyman are having dinner. The camera pans again. This is the second time in the episode when it's used to effect with, by Jack Bender. Tony flips on the cop based on the encounter with Meadow. Tells the assemblyman to fuck it, right? Again, these are B stories, but they're interweaving and they're interconnected. We're getting all aspects of Tony's psyche on display, and you've got to stay on the ball to keep up. Are they talking about the Esplanade? Yes. Okay. Everything is Esplanade now. Esplanade. Esplanade, yeah. Okay, the Tony Soprano wiretap has been neutralized. Agent Harris, fabulous use of the character to tie up the plot point planted in Mr. Ruggiero's neighborhood. Uh, Junior isn't going to Old Man Bacala's funeral. I felt like that should have been a bigger deal than they made it. That was... Pretty insulting. He's sick. He's sick. Come on, man. Old man Bacala died in the line of duty. Tony tries to bribe the cop again at Fountains of Wayne. The final shot, the low angle, the music, the patterns, the conclusivity of the episode in a single frame. Fucking wow, man. It was beautiful. Dug him down. Dug him down. And that water fountain in the final shot has three levels to it, (gasps) my friends. Three levels. Um, You wrote a note about saying when he was at dinner and uh, had a chance to save the guy's job, but he decided not to, and you were suggesting it was because of the information about the bike. Mm. Right? Yeah. Mm. But I guess to counter that, why would he feel bad and try to offer the guy money? Because he's he's waffling. It's okay. constantly him going in and out of, of morality. And he realized maybe that was a little harsh. And he, again, when he heard from uh, Leon that he lost overtime and he essentially had to take a second job to pay for his life. Right. I think Tony remembered back to like his grandfathers who built that church, you know, when he's talking to Meadow and the pilot. When he was hanging out with Starsky and Hutch. Yes. And he thinks about people that actually work for a living, the strong, silent type. And honestly, this is one of my little reveals, I think he fashioned Leon as a strong, silent type. And whatever happened to the strong, silent types, Tony was confronted with one in this episode, and he was realizing that. 
Well, and I think he empathized when he heard that the guy had some uh, mental issues and was struggling with depression. Maybe. Good, good catch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, hundred totally. percent. Um, couple of things to button up, and then we'll do Netflix series, and then we'll call it a day. There's clearly a tension brewing between Ralphie and Gigi. Haven't talked about it, but it's obvious. This episode really sets it up. Eye contact, animosity. Ralphie's really digging in, like low blows. He's really getting in there. Uh, Second little thing to button up, the soprano marriage, which we talked about at the beginning, Naya. It's unstable. It's unstable. Uh, We've felt this all along, but this is the first real episode where we see it playing out. Nothing is resolved between them. And we thought the Melfi thing would help. The Melfi thing only exacerbated things. There's tears. Tony doesn't like it when there's tears. What guy does like it when there's tears? Water tears. Water tears. Ralphie Gigi, soprano marriage unstable. And then the last thing I have for just to button everything up, race was very prominent in this episode. The continuing tension between Meadow and Tony and Tony's back and forth with Officer Leon. This season so far... Last episode, a lot of violence. This episode, a lot of violence. Next episode, without giving too much away, a lot of fucking violence. So, any Netflix series? I have two. Uh, I have Drunken Love. So, it's a reality show that follows Artie and Adriana at a Beyonce concert. And you, you get to watch the... The awkwardness. It's like an extension of that dinner. And then I have The Guy I Know. It's a sitcom about the guy that fucks the lady who owns the house where the show takes place. That'll go to series because I had that too. Really? (laughs) Did you? Oh my God. First one I have is Second Floor Mezzanine, the Meadowland hot dog vendor story. Oh my God. (laughs) The other working title for that is... I gotta get better at my titles. Hold the Onions. And then next up is Satrial Foods, Mm. the untold story. (laughs) Okay, so it's Tony and Artie going to business together. Oh, God. While Tony's on the lamb. <laughs> I love it. Uh, as always, it's been a pleasure. Really glad to have all of us back. Yes. Thank you, John. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Naya. Thank you, Vic. We'll see you next time. Get up, you son of a bitch. Get up, you son of a bitch. Get up, you son of a bitch. Because Mickey loves you. <laughs>